Lots of you listeners at home, as well as our guests, always ask us how we run the show when we've got a guest joining us remotely from elsewhere in the world. And our secret is a really handy piece of software called Riverside FM, who are kindly sponsoring today's episode of Social Minds. We rely on Riverside FM to make sure that even if we're talking to Oatley in Copenhagen or Netflix in LA, the audiovisual quality is as high as if they were sat opposite me in our Manchester or London studios. As well as that, Riverside has a bunch of AI integrations that let us keep promo at a really high level with auto transcripts, subtitles and its magic AI clips tool. It's adding new features all the time. Some of its latest updates include customizable silence removal, which lets you choose your video's pace from upbeat to conversational, and the option to add text on your videos. So its tech capabilities for podcasting are fantastic. And if you're interested in starting a podcast, I would absolutely recommend it. But even if you don't have a podcast, Riverside FM does lots more than that. And it can support you in producing everything from virtual events to webinars and panel discussions, all in 4K video paired with studio quality audio. So whether you're a marketer, a podcaster, or a creator, have a look into it and see what Riverside FM can do for you. Click the link in today's show notes to get an exclusive 15% discount on any of Riverside's available plans using our discount code SOCIALMINDS. And let us know how you get on with it. Now, on to today's episode. If I asked you which group is owning the creator space right now, there's only one possible answer. The Sidemen. They are the biggest entertainment property there is on YouTube in the creator space in Europe. They've been called a phenomenon on the scale of One Direction, the Spice Girls, or even the Beatles. And my next guest, Jordan Schwarzenberger, co-founder of Arcane Media and manager of the Sidemen, calls them the creator upper class. In this episode, myself and Social Chain's head of influencer, Amelia Wollaston, ask Jordan how on earth you go about managing a supergroup on that scale. In this, we find out how they keep up that frequency of posting without sacrificing quality, why they've got three people just in charge of YouTube thumbnails alone, and why this post-TikTok era means everything that worked with creators before COVID no longer does. This conversation was a roller coaster ride, and whether or not you're a fan of Sidemen, there's a takeaway here for anyone interested in the creator space. Jordan, it's so great to have you here. Really excited to have this conversation. Now, as always, our listeners know we kick things off with a very big question every week. Hit me. Um, And the question for you is, how do you maintain the momentum of a creator supergroup that's on the scale of Sidemen? Right, so how do we maintain the momentum? So I think the simple answer to this is we make sure that the boys are enjoying it. I always say this, the number one job I think of management when you're looking after groups, it's why boy bands always fall out, right? Often the managers will stress them to no end. We tour around the world, they'll have a miserable time. They'll end up falling out because there's problems with pay and disparities of equity, whatever it might be. Whereas I think with the guys, with with the sidemen, it's all about making sure that they are having a great time every single time they show up by trying to remove all of the headaches and all of the things that sit under them as the sort of board, if you will, of their media and business empire. So I think we do that, everything else starts to flow. Totally. So no chance of like a Noel and Liam creative differences. I really types, hope but, not because yeah. we're all in with this and so are they. So that would not be great. But yeah, not for now anyway. No, 100%. I, I think like the first thing is we know that Sidemen managed themselves for like eight years. Um, and then you guys come along as management. How do you sort of step in and as you said, take control of what you guys need to take off their plate, but without changing the dynamic or, or rocking the boat and you know changing what's been working for them yes yeah, so i think their structure before us um was a management company and then an agency both were managing it was very confusing both were representing them um non-exclusively 
but they were both exclusively doing it as a together. Um, so you had Upload and OP were both sort of before us. Um, Stu's business is Upload, amazing sort of brand partnerships business, predominantly for YouTubers and content creators. Um, the Sidemen had an ownership in that or a number of the boys, I think four or five of them are shareholders of Upload. But then you also had OP who used to manage the boys, um, but management in a you know, very much a UK YouTuber management company style, which was mm. really brand deals. So that was the focus, brand deals, brand deals, brand deals. So the challenge they had was confusion in the marketplace and who would represent who. And I think this is a problem that goes on with a lot of creators in this country, maybe less so now, but definitely at that time in 2000, and, well, really from 2014 up till 2019, mm. who, how do you get to talent? How do you actually work with them? And also who's thinking strategically? I think when companies, management companies and agencies are focused on brand deals the whole way through, they don't actually have the understanding or the or the ability necessarily or the even the mindset to think about revenue drivers beyond brand deals and maybe a couple of other streams. So that was really our focus to the to the guys was let's come in and, and do something a bit different here rather than focusing on brand deals um, and integrations, which is cool for a business that does that all day every day. We have no interest in that. In fact, we're not even going to try. What we're going to do is focus on building brands and IP and, and things that you own that can ultimately outlive you. So that's been our entire focus. Rather than focusing on brand deal money, it's all about how do we build longevity? Because um, if you have longevity, the money always follows. Mm, 100%. I think we will get on to building brands as opposed to relying on brand deals but just as you mentioned that like how things used to work it'll be interesting yeah. to get your thoughts as well we just recently had the news that gleam sort of binned off their talent yeah. arm and they arguably paved the way for what was that old model just keen to get your thoughts on that i guess and why that might have been binned off or i guess maybe it's part of this wider piece where that way of working just isn't working anymore yeah i mean so i've, I've been thinking about this a lot I've been thinking about this a lot. I think that Gleam is a perfect symbol of how things were, but ultimately the industry shifted so much in terms of consumption habits. So I look at the way that social operates as being in two eras, right? Pre-COVID and then post-COVID. Yeah. In, another word, in other words, pre-TikTok and pre-COVID and post-TikTok <laughs> yeah. or post-COVID. And there was a bit of a divide in time that shifted, in my view, and I don't know if other people agree, but shifted the way that people consume content, consume creators, consume celebrity. It was almost a disconnect happened where I think people stopped caring so much about celebrity and fandom and were a lot more about how can I get something in my life for me through every moment, every video, everything that I consume. And I think in that comes a whole world of new creators being born, which who are now some of the biggest in the country in terms of numbers, people who started during that time. I mean, I speak to them all the time on my show, right? Where they'll come on and go, yeah, I was just bored at home during COVID. And then, oh, I have a million followers and two million followers. Now I'm a massive creator and that's my full-time job. So many people have that same story. And I think as a result, you have a, this influx of new creators that every day is getting more and more and more. Brands are realizing, hold on, a platform like TikTok, which now is now almost dominates consumption amongst young people way more than it than it did before, obviously. And I think Instagram and others are nowhere near in terms of the depth of connection and engagement that people have with people on TikTok and just the time spent. What that means is anyone can go viral, right? So anybody has the opportunity to get distribution. No longer do followers and reach matter in the way that they used to. So brands are going, hold on, well, why am I paying X big creators? 50k for a video 100k for one video when i could spread that budget across 100 creators on tiktok all of whom make no money so all of whom will take the bag and take 100 pounds for a video 200 pounds 300 pounds i've seen rates like literally 150 quid for a, for a video on tiktok and they're not getting any other work because there's such competition mm. so therefore brands are going to those creators and saying right well we'll distribute our money through agencies and those agencies will spread spread it and spend it on our behalf but what does that do it means that the creators who are always used to a certain level of income 
if they haven't adapted and built their own income streams that are direct to consumer, typically their brand money will dry up because they're no longer gonna be spending with them in isolation. So I've seen this shift away from the 50K deals, the 100K deals and more towards brand spread betting, spread betting across so many different creators. And obviously they're gonna do that. They're gonna get more bang for their buck. If you can potentially put a video out there on TikTok and get a million views with a person you paid 300 pounds for, why would you spend with a creator with a million followers who might only get 200,000 views a video? It makes no sense. So that's how things have shifted and companies like Gleam that are locked in talent rosters, I think are kind of, unless they're adapting, evolving, building IP and developing direct to consumer streams of revenue, they're gonna struggle. Um, especially if they're of a, of a time and a creator of a time where connection was very different, where the behavior from the fan was very different to the creator, where there were fans, you know, it's different, it's a different era. Um, and especially them, they were almost too early in a way. They were, they were great, smashed it in their time, but it's moved on so much now. And I think their roster, the talent themselves weren't willing, if you will, to keep up. And that's why a lot of them have gone into other things. So I think it's interesting what you're saying about like this new kind of generation, I guess, of creators like pre and post TikTok COVID period. For the sidemen, having had such an established kind of grounding before that versus, I guess, these kind of newer creators that have won quickly, how do they and, you know, the team kind of navigate that in this kind of new and evolving world? Like they've got so much more resilience. They've done it for so much longer. But, you know, with this changing kind of landscape, how are they keeping up with that? Yeah, I mean, I think for the guys, it's about having great people come, well, new creators come through and into their world. So people mm. like a Danny Aaron's, Ginge, obviously two big creators now that are killing it, have had a real kind of incline over the last year. But the Sidemen had them on their, always having them on their podcast, having them in videos, people like George Clarkey, people like um, Arthur TV, like some of this new wave of creators coming through. The Sidemen always bring those type of people, people in, more just because it's a small space and they're actually yeah. friends with them, right? And actually they want to support them and help them and give them a platform. But also they know that these guys are next up and they're doing amazing things and they want to have them in their video because they're funny and they're entertaining. So I think that's one way is always the guys being so at the top um, and so far ahead of everybody else really that it creates a gravitational pull for obviously other talent and other creators to be a part of it, right? And I think them having that two-way relationship is really key with the next wave of people coming through. And the second way is that I think it's having a team, an actual behind the scenes team of people who are really have their, you know, their fingers on the poles. The boys are super relevant in terms of their consumption habits. They're as much of a fan of, of YouTube and the space as anybody. So they stay ahead of the game. And I think as long as they do that and they keep innovating, keep distributing in the in the ways that are needed today, like leveraging TikTok, leveraging short form more than maybe they would have done before and more than many other creators who have been going for so long do, as long as they're adapting, then I think they're fine. You briefly touched on it then, but you know, Sidemen is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest entertainment property there is on YouTube in the creator space in Europe. And obviously it's been called a phenomenon on the scale of, you know, similarly One Direction or um, the Spice Girls or even the Beatles. That's big. As, which is very, very big. <laughs> Maybe the Beatles is a bit far. But <laughs> yeah. I guess, a... you know, that, that caliber of talent, mm. how is it, is it similar or does it differ from other celebrity status, you know, individuals maybe like Ant and Deck? Yeah, I mean, I think, how does it differ? It differs massively um, because there's a depth of connection that you create through YouTube where people feel like they know you. And I think that can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? On one hand, people, you know, can be maybe too close or a little bit too familiar in a way that can be 
can kind of go over the mark. I remember Vic telling a story about how he was trying to go to the toilet in a urinal and fans were in the euro, like waiting for him to come out of the toilet to get pictures of him. I think you know, he was in a cubicle. They're waiting for him to get out of the cubicle so they could take a picture with him and be like, hey, because there is that closeness. So it can be a bit intrusive, I think, if it goes too far. Um, but at the same time, that depth of connection is so much stronger than people who have always communicated through a medium like TV, where everything is going through the layers of production and the layers of teams and and uh, I guess censorship and everything else to the point where you lose a bit of the real person. Mm. I think Anton Deck, having worked with them and knowing them, they are a bit of an exception to that rule. They've been they've had such longevity with an older audience for so long, but that's because they've been so consistent for 30 years. I think they've built enough of that connection um, just purely through being there and through you know constantly showing up and doing their thing and being real and, and just different, I think, in the space. But for most talent who come through TV, yes, yeah, it, you cannot get that connection through TV or through those mediums, which is why they need to be more like creators and why more of them are taken to social, more of them are trying mm. to build that audience. But it's very difficult because the audience you have have is one that you don't see through TV. But the audience on social, it's it's a lot more intimate and it's not easy to build if you haven't started from that from that platform to begin with. See Ant and Decker sort of on TikTok now and like because they are always so present on telly things like I'm a celeb, which is still relevant for that younger audience, it is kind of working for them. But say some of the other talent you've worked with, like Reggie Yates and Frank Lampard, could you see that same thing yeah, working it's for hard. them? It's hard because they're not content creators. That's not what they do. And it's yeah. a completely different world, completely different mindset. And also, you know, someone like a Frank or somebody in sport, your standards, what you're held up to, you can't say and do most things because you're under the protection of the club mm. and the reputational damage can be so big. That it's difficult and like Reggie's a good example somebody who I work with who again he he's an artist he's a director he's a writer he doesn't want to be a content creator as well necessarily full-time it's two jobs at once right so can people do those two things at once is the mark I think of if you can do it but you need to be able to be able to and be willing to do both um, and for people coming up today they're just used to doing both it's just part of life to be super active creating content as well as building businesses um, so yeah I think it is it's difficult and that transition is I think harder and harder the more that the standards and the expectation on platforms like TikTok just goes through the roof yeah. as well. Yeah. So while we're speaking about that strength of connection, you touched on it then saying it has its downsides. But when sort of audiences are forming like those parasocial relationships with their favorite creators, what do you think the impact is then when, you know, we feel like we know them, we feel like they're our friends and we trust them when actually that's that's not the case. When creators then start trying to sell to them and sometimes like if it's not handled properly, you can get that backlash from audiences feeling almost betrayed and um, that, oh, it wasn't a genuine friendship. Yeah, I am just sort of, it means to an end for you yeah for sure I mean I think with the Simon's a good example whereby our philosophy with any brand that we create or anything the boys put out is it has to be completely value adding to the audience and provide so much value that people are truly getting something the worst thing is to be seen as a sellout or like you're doing things for a cash grab and that should never be the mission or the case with any creative venture or project it should always be how can I add value to an audience and solve a problem in their lives or provide some value which they can then either get involved in or not and there's no need or force to that um, obviously we've seen it in the past where you know margins are too high right and people are trying to squeeze as much as they can from, the, from their audience and people are so smart these days obviously they can read through the lines of hold on I know this like the Zoella calendar right the classic example this cost you I'll never much forget that yeah. video we, like yeah, as long as I live yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was a perfect example of 
you we know that that costs x amount to put together and you're trying to sell it for 50 quid or however much it was that is a message in and of itself so i think pricing value is, is a message to your audience as much as anything else and as a creator you have to be really aware of what message you're sending are you trying to send a message that says i'm providing you value and it's a fair fairly reflected in the price fairly reflected in the value proposition fairly reflected in the investment that i'm putting back into that to make it better and better or is it super high margin you know clearly not that thought through, not very value adding, and therefore is the message that I don't overly care about the value I'm providing. I just want to make as much money as I can from a big audience. Because I think nowadays you'll see conversion dry up. It won't work. I think maybe before you could get away with those kind of moves. And you know, a lot of creators have done that and you know they've done it well well in terms of making a lot of money quickly. But in reality I don't think it works these days. People are so discerning and there's so much to choose from. So you have to oh you have to provide value now in a way that maybe you didn't before. Sort of harking back to you know, events that like the like super group creators used to throw and it would be like like a hundred quid for a ticket and you'd get like thirty seconds at a meet and greet. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things always ended up yeah. in like controversy to days yeah. of the meet and greet. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah, we've moved on miles. But the meet and greet is an interesting then. thing, right? Because we don't have those anymore because people aren't fans anymore. It's a really weird thing. There aren't new fans. And so uh, this is my theory anyway. I think again in this post TikTok divide the world we're in today is one where people aren't really fans of people in the same way. I think you might like someone's video, but you like the video for the video's sake and maybe you say, okay, they make good videos, I'll carry on watching them. But the minute maybe those videos stop, you'll be on to the next thing and the next thing. There's such a transactional hamster wheel of talent now that you're not a fan in a in a sort of a, a scarce environment of creators who are up here. There's so many. So you've got so many to choose from. And also, I mean, it translates to music, translates to everything. How many people are genuine music fans anymore of new artists? Very few people now are selling out arenas and doing an amazing job. People who were born in this era, people who came before, that connection was there. But the people coming up now, there's no stickiness because I think the consumption habit shifted so much. Mm. I think it's also a difference in TikTok versus YouTube as well. I always feel like it's easier to feel like you're getting to know a creator on YouTube when it's maybe longer form or a bit more in depth or there's yeah. just one channel you're having to actively go to yourself and visit um, like the, the channel versus TikTok. Like you're spending most of the time on the For You page and you're kind of just seeing just loads of stuff at yeah, a time. Yeah. It's harder to stick with one person. 100%. And the exception for me with all of this right now is, is the streamers, right? So people like the Kaisenats, the Speeds, Aiden Rosses, people who are now managing to develop that connection again because people are just watching their entire lives. So they're, if they're tuning in and they're streaming five, six to 10 hours a day sometimes, like crazy amounts of time. You know, Speed has been really, I think, in, it's really smart around the way that he's built his brand over the last year. Obviously had an amazing year in 2022, came up like an, on another level. Superstar, for example, our Simon Charity match, biggest YouTube growth, I think, in a year ever. One of them, he got to 10 million subs super quick. Um, and then his streaming has been super interesting to see the way he's patterned himself out because he's he went to India, he's gone to Brazil, he's basically traveled the world streaming and connecting with fans in different countries, doing what he does, which is just going out there, being himself. And the level of connection that he's now building globally, where he walks into a, you know, a, a cricket stadium in India and everyone is completely in awe of him and he's being shouted at from all sides and he's the number one person in that place. So then going to Brazil and doing the same thing in a football mm. stadium, going to other, you know, America, wherever it might be, it's, it's really smart, I think, that he's been able to clearly see that if he can build that global audience, he's got power on another level as a proper global star. And I think you have to put that groundwork in now at a much higher level. And he's yeah. literally traveling and spending real time connecting with people and then streaming it. Um, and I think, yeah, it's the streamers are the, are, the, are the glitch in the matrix, I think, because of the nature of their content, which is so immersive. You mm. are in my life and you are following my life. And this is real as it's happening. 
Yeah, I think that's so interesting how, you know, we've taken this evolution in content to be 30 seconds of video that's very quick and you don't really get the time to really get to know someone. But then there is clearly this space for people who are still desperate for that sort of longer term connection and involvement engagement. And that's where maybe these creators are having this these big wins because yeah. they're, they're providing, you know, what used to be kind of the norm going above and beyond that now yeah. in a in a space where everything is just saturated by 30 seconds switch to the next switch to the next you actually get that deep dive in that person completely how do you how do you break out of that um everything being optimized thing yeah i think you're seeing youtube as well youtube is, is moving more now into you know content that is very real very organic it's kind of going back now yeah so you're seeing people come up who are super authentic there's no editing there's no frills. It's just a video of somebody talking to camera again. It's kind of going back because people are sick, I think, now of fast-paced, hyper-intense content that is, you know, giving you a headache. Um, I think nowadays people are, are moving more towards slower, longer, deeper again. It's mad how that keeps happening. It's like a pendulum, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like 100%. every five years or so, we just get bored of what we've been doing and it just yeah. flips back and yeah. then it'll go again. And you're seeing, so I've been really interested on like Instagram because Instagram's a whole different beast now to what mm. it was before in terms of how you can grow there. And the creators, some of them are doing really well. They're slowing things way down. So what breaks your... Uh, your, your switching of, of content or your flicking of the feed nowadays, I think, is, is almost like a, a glitch that kind of cracks your the thing you're expecting. It's like you're not expecting somebody to be speaking quite yeah. slowly um, or saying something in a slightly more dragged out way. Actually, that slow pace breaks your your uh, your scrolling. Mm. Well, well, hold on a minute. He's not shouting at me. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, right, three ways. Like, to YouTube like, What's yeah, up, guys? Right. And now it's like three ways to win this on TikTok. Whatever yeah. it's like those those breaks are what people I think are now attracted to. So I'm seeing this move now online where people are resisting the hyper optimized, hyper quick, hyper headachey content, and they're moving more towards the slower, meditative kind of thoughtful um, content or more passive content, voyeuristic content like the streamers. So something I've just been noticing of late, but I think it's interesting because it does back up this sort of pendulum swing, swing I think, which is moving in, I think, a positive direction because I think I was, I was sick of yeah. that content. Um, I think also it, it aligns with just where audiences are kind of becoming more educated on social media as a whole. Like we are kind of living through it as it evolves that kind of the the learnings aren't necessarily at the forefront until yeah. we kind of absorb, take note, and then like, hang on, is there a way to enjoy this platform that works for what I need, whether it's that meditative, yeah. whether it's that um, kind of more educational, long form piece. So um, when the viewers are like also yeah. probably an aspiration to be a creator in some form, they kind of know that you're trying to get them in 30, the first 30 seconds. Yeah. If everyone's so, making uh, content, they'll know the tricks, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you're trying to hack attention, I think that doesn't work anymore. Mm. And you see that in the numbers, a lot of content that tries to hack and you see a lot of TikTok kind of gurus and strategists, they talk about this, that actually that type of content is, isn't working anymore. I, read a, I saw a thing the other day about low effort videos and how like low effort videos can are some of the most effective videos by that the guy was talking about literally somebody to camera speaking as if they're speaking to a friend about something hardly any the key is with that he was saying is obviously hooks that needs to be somewhat interesting but the way that they speak they, they frame their energy is directed in a focused way towards a person yeah so you're actually just speaking to a person you're not trying to speak to the algorithm 
And I think that now is the movement. It's like people are watching this content. And I think we as audiences are so oversaturated with noisy, loud, attention hacking content that there's a drawback towards just, okay, speak to me as a, as a person. And actually I even found that you might find it when you're scrolling, you're like, oh yeah, the stuff you click on or you stop on are the things that feel real because they're just speaking to you. They're not speaking to, you know, the algorithm anymore. 100%. It sounds sort of so obvious, doesn't it? Like, of course that would work better. But I think like, especially from like a brand perspective, when you're in the throes of making the content constantly to just do that. I will say this clients get really nervous at the <laughs> word lo-fi uh, or like yeah. if we went to them and said just like a low effort video, they'd be yeah. like, wait, wait, what, what? Yeah. Just feel like we should be doing more all yeah. the time. And it yeah. is such a catch 22. Yeah. I think streamers are like such an interesting um, point there as well because first of all I think they're really overlooked by brands but like yes. have so much power unless you're like a gaming brand or like you're really in that space mm. it's really rare that we'll look outside of TikTok and Instagram for creators right yeah I mean we we will look on every single platform for creators but mm. to your point like there is so many out there and I find that you know with the brands that we're working with, it's becoming ever more important to find those individuals that are authentic and they're not just creating content as a, a job or a role, but actually because it's passion mm. and they're showcasing the joys that are in their lives, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that Sidemen, because of how long they've been around and they know who their DNA is, they're not gonna change that because they are a group of friends that love to come together mm. and to create. And ultimately that is like, the focus of who they are so they have owned and kind of crafted that space for themselves and I think that's why you know so many people are so invested in them because they are themselves they are their true authentic selves and they don't try and bend to the trends or you know the brands you know that they work with you know obviously they've created their own brands which is you know amazing and I think you know people and audiences really invest in that because yeah. it gives them something real in a in a kind of digital universe that can feel quite fake a lot of the time. So we've got a documentary, Simon.com to Netflix on 14th of Feb. Amazing. It should be good, so that's gonna be quite a big one, but to that point on, um, on yeah, what you were saying around the story. But with that, it feels like another moment, I think, as you're saying, people are invested in the story that I think that the business is part of the content. And that's mm. an interesting switch as well. It's actually us launching sides, us launching XX Vodka, Side Plus, you know, doing the, the the doc now and all the other things, the charity matches. All of those moments, from even from a, a business perspective, people look at and go, okay, that is growth in people that I've invested in. It's almost like seeing your stock grow. It's like you've yeah. invested in these these creators, maybe with your money, if you're supporting their merch um, back in the day, or you're a Cyber Clothing wearer now, or if you're a Side Plus member, you've invested in them through your time, right? Through watching them every single week. That's the best investment, the biggest investment. I feel like I know these people. They've given me so much entertainment and I have rewarded that with you know my presence and my focus week on week on week on week on week for 10 years now and then all these moments like having a documentary come out on netflix that will i think hopefully feel like to a lot of the fan base wow like this is a real next movement up for for the boys and then decide what's next how do you keep providing this growth um that isn't about money it's about value yeah. and providing new ways i always say to provide more access to as many fans in the world to the sidemen in different ways and in value adding ways predominantly so yeah it's an interesting one i think you're so right and that's diff what that's why i don't think there'll be another one and that's why i also don't think think that anyone could try and be someone like a sideman now from that point of view like you have these quick creators who are doing incredibly well 
but it's based on a trend. And then it's like, okay, how do I sustain this now? How do mm. I keep up with, well, this trend's gone out the door now. What do what do I stand for? What do I, mm. what do I create? Whereas because of their longevity, they have that and they have all the unique facets that are needed to keep yeah. expanding and growing with their audience. 100%. I mean, I almost see them, I liken them and the people in that pre-TikTok, pre-COVID era who are at that top, I, I call them like the creator upper class, if you will, or like creator inc. <laughs> they're kind of creator institutions. Yeah. Um, and they're so beyond. The creator suite. The creator suite. It's like the kind of creator, <laughs> if, if, if you to put it in a, in a class system, you'd have the creator upper class, the kind of middle class who maybe are kind of there, but you know, they're, they're in that, maybe they're making, you know, one to three mil a year that kind of level 500k into three mil a year and then you have the working class creator which is basically everybody now and both of the top two classes if you will would have had to have come up really in that previous era the ones who are now as i said the streamers i'm almost excluding from this conversation because they're a glitch in the matrix and they're doing things at a rapid pace and they are growing hugely so there's a guy called neon who's like probably the biggest he's the biggest streamer in the world right now kaisen that was the biggest streamer last year speed i think the year before like these people can just have these massive rises again though the challenge is how do you build that longevity and that brand without beyond i guess whatever whatever the platform is and to do that today so hard i always yeah i liken like the sidemen beta squad others people people like that to the kind of legacy class of creator if you will a bob dylan or a prince or michael jackson it's that we're in that divide yeah. right where i think they'll have enduring resonance enduring love and loyalty forever because people have grown up with them and they're in in the, the they're in the nostalgia class now and once you're in nostalgia you're good yeah, like a true. like you know there's a reason why uh hypnosis they're a big song fund right they buy up other catalogs from artists backed by blackstone i believe billion dollar fund and they'll be buying up you know they, they didn't buy bob dylan's but they'll buy justin bieber's catalog for 200 million or whatever and there's a reason why it's because justin bieber now is even legacy he has transcended to nostalgia where that feeling of my childhood is wrapped up in his music not me but wrapped up in what in his music <laughs> or like taylor swift yeah or whoever pick a person and i think the sidemen are now that level um so are all that the creators in that time mr beast you know, even logan in the content that he was making back in the day um obviously he's gone on a different trajectory but still really interesting case study you, the list goes on 100 percent. now i want to turn this onto sort of the inner workings of the operation yeah i remember reading that you have someone who's just in charge of youtube thumbnails so that was just one sort of tidbit that we i picked three. up we have three youtube thumbnails <laughs> that's that's absolutely wild yeah. so I mean, I think I also read that it's like you can compare it to the operations of like a really high growth venture. So I'm interested to know, like, what what does it look like inside? What are the departments? What have you got different people working yeah. on? Like, how how deep does this thing go? Yeah, so it goes deep and it goes out. Um, I think the way you describe it is that you have multiple businesses. So you have the Sidemen Entertainment and Side Plus business. You kind of wrap them into one, if you will. That's basically the in-house Sidemen content operation who manages both of those things. Sidemen Entertainment, you've got people like TP, who is like the head of basically Sidemen Sunday. She manages all of those productions and she's amazing. Um, you have Lucy under her, who's a, basically an art director, meets set designer. She builds all the sets. She makes everything look incredible. Uh, you have the film crew, which is spearheaded by Con. So Constantine, another big creator in the space. Um, but he has basically been the director for the site and if you were filming managing the whole production team under him is a whole production team of freelancers and people who do sidemen work obviously but then also do some other stuff but that's a big team of maybe 10 15 sound designers you know and operators to camera ops john and james being the, the sort of leading two if you will um james frames and, and john and then johnny bts who sits in the side plus meets cyber content uh, teams that he looks after the bts for side plus you've got um 
again, the thumb, the post teams, the thumbnail designers, you've got a strategist and, and kind of channel lead, if you will, um, for all of the different channels. Uh, you've got people like Chip Fat, who's an unbelievable editor, but he also basically runs the more Sidemen channel and, and is an absolute force in terms of his creativity and, and his editing. Uh, but he's really the lifeblood of that channel um, in a lot of ways. You've got Sidemen Reacts, who has his own people. So you've got all these different people and then you've got Side Plus having its equivalent. Um, and then Victor, who's the head of content, looks after all of that. He's also our MD of Arcade. So he looks after all of that whole web. So his job is to try and coordinate, manage and, and sort of look after, if you will, um, everything from once the boys and team have come up with ideas, Tanya, um, come up with ideas and she's off executing them. Once that's up and alive, how does it then go through to delivery? And then also with the ideation stage, what creatives are, are we bringing in? There's a whole team of freelance creatives who support on ideation and developing um, you know, everything from titles. I mean, everything now, right, is title first, thumbnail, and then delivery of the idea. It's all backwards in a way. So that whole end-to-end process is done in-house uh, and with freelancers. So that's a whole, that's like probably the core, if you will, of the operation. That's just the core. That's just the core. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, just yeah, say, yeah. it's so thorough, but brands could never... Yeah, like I mean, the they, scale of that, and it's the fact that say like each of them is like I don't know, obviously different revenue streams, but different almost series and content pillars as well. Yeah, people whose main focus is just that one pillar. Yeah, I mean, I go, I go into ITV and I'm like, look, this is an operation that for I mean, obviously ITV is a big company, but for significantly less money, right? Mm. We're able to produce content that is getting double the views that you guys consider a success every week. Like that's the power of what the sidemen have built and the operation that manages to sustain that. And so you speak to them, you go like, guys, like this is the future. You guys are spending how much money on a sizzle reel for a show, they'll probably never get commissioned. Mm. Yeah. That amount will cover a whole video production, which will be getting five times the views, whatever it is anyway. Um, but yeah, that's the core I'd say, and that's the content operation, that's Cybern Entertainment and Side Plus as one. You then have the brands. So outside of that, you have Sides, which is the fried chicken restaurant chain. That's a joint venture with Hero Brands. Um, you then have XX Vodka, which is another joint venture with Hero Brands. And then within each of those, uh, Robin, who's the CEO of both of those businesses, Phil, who's the marketing director of both of those businesses, and then a team of people underneath them. So you've got a head of like drinks and innovation called John. You've got head of food called Gordy on side. You've kind of got product lead, uh, social and creative leads. Um, so George, who runs our sides uh, accounts, Chris, who's recently come on to uh, XIX. So you've got this whole kind of web. And then that's those are the those two brands. And then you've got the partnerships, if you will. So things like Tops, the trading cards, which we run as a campaign with Tops, and we developed that with them using our in-house design team led by Henry White, who's our creative director. What else have you got? You've then got, I guess, the events and project team. So, so Anna leads that from our side with Jazz. Um, the charity match, other events we're looking at doing as well, physical things predominantly there. And then, yeah, and then you've, well, well, that's kind of it. And then beyond that, there's obviously more things that, are, there's things that are coming yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. um, we were launching soon. I think it should be out by the time this comes out, but a venture fund, a VC fund, that has this whole team. Um, led by a guy called Jamie, who's amazing. And yeah, that's, should be a raise of around, I think eight to 10 million. I can't remember how much, but that's going to be about investing into new, into new companies. So that is a whole nother. That is incredible. Thing. An absolute um, force. That it's is an army. So it's a web. It's amazing. That is honestly, are you just sort of taking us through that? <laughs> I'm literally actually I'm, I'm gobsmacked <laughs> with just how, you know, I think, think people, when they think of creators, they mm. don't think of that. They don't think about the ability to go 
that far and to not just sort of be creating unreal content and connecting Mm. with people, but these businesses and the ceilings that they can keep smashing through Mm. to kind of change people's expectations yeah on that you know point around you've got all these different kind of areas which do you find is needs the most manpower and the most kind of i guess takes the most to manage 100 percent the content operation yeah. which victor runs because the frequency of content that the sidemen put out is just another level like they're doing three more sidemen videos a week i want to say three or four reacts videos and then a main channel video every week and the level of these videos is high right like the mm. production side only is the highest probably in the space in the UK. And it, it, it's a lot to put one of those videos together, mm-hmm. right? So that whole operation, which, you know, is again, a web of people, but also takes up a lot of time, a lot of a lot of energy just to get, even if you were to try to do that on your own, one more Sidemen video to edit, to cut properly, like Chip is in his element, focused all day, every day to try and keep up with that. Um, and the hard bit slightly is that it's almost so intense that it's, it's very difficult to actually keep that growing yeah. and evolving um, because it's a lifestyle, like it has to be, and it, very few people can actually slot into that. So it's finding those people who are willing to go on that journey, who are good enough to go on that journey, and then making sure that we keep them close and tight. And that's yeah. Victor's job. He's an unbelievable orchestrator. Yeah, um, he's fab. He's like, he is like a composer of all yeah. these people coming together. And his role coming in, the Cybermen were managing this on their own before. That was, that was what we said to them. We said, guys, like, you know, you should not be worried about editing deadlines, all that stuff. You need someone to orchestrate and to put the pull mm. level together. And he had recently been managing Side Plus and doing an amazing job coming in to lead that and scale it. And so we suggested to the guys, look, why doesn't he become your head of content? Yeah. And they were like, yes, please. Cause now everything runs through him. And again, about making their life ha- life easier. That's the number one job. Um, he's made their life so much easier by just being that extra layer that sits between them and all of the operational people um, that sit below. So with the fact that they have obviously the support and their focus is coming up with the ideas. Yeah. How many ideas are they coming up with? How, you know, wide are they? How do they filter through that system yeah. to kind of come to, you know, um, reality? I mean, there's so many titles and it all starts again, it all starts with titles. We're talking talking about the main channel here, all more side men, all starts with titles. I think, you know, they were having a meeting today. They might even be, it might even be, I think with uh, Tanya and Victor to plan the next three months of Simon Sundays. Um, Cause everything has to be so far ahead now as well to manage scheduling. Yeah. Scheduling is the hardest bit with seven of them. So in that meeting today, they'll probably go through, right, we've worked through these 200, 200 titles and we've binned off 190 of them. Here are 10 that we think are good. And from that, they'll have the basis for, for the plan. Um, and then it'll be a case of each of, the, each of them own a video. So that's the way they manage it. So one of them will be responsible per week for the video and the concept. And they'll, in their meetings, work out who gets allocated those videos and what ideas each of them want, want to do. Um, but they have to go through a lot of rigor. And I think now YouTube is so scientific. It's probably more science than art by quite a margin on the bigger scale. Obviously there are, as I was saying before, people cutting through with the super authentic, real, um, quite lo-fi content, but they're very different scales, right? To hit huge, huge numbers and to get the sort of Cybermen frequency consistency audience or a Mr. Beast audience consistency frequency, you need a factory of people all aligned to that goal. And you need the creator to be orchestrating that creatively with a production and logistics team to make sure that happens so yeah that's the the secret is is 100% the team Um, and I think to keep up you need 
that team to be well-oiled and managed properly. I'm just in the interest of time. I think we've got about 10 minutes on the clock. Um, But I do want to ask you before we wrap about that move away from brand deals and into sort of building businesses, building empires. And, you know, as Victor put it when he came on um, our event, Social Minds Live, it's, you know, focusing on businesses that don't just fade in a couple of years, but that can actually, you know, last for five, 10 and and beyond. So, Mm. I mean... Obviously, people who are listening know Sidemen, but if they didn't then, it's like the insanity that was around Prime definitely clocked them them onto it. So do you think, I mean, especially in food and retail, that businesses and product launches are the end goal for creators now? Mm, I think I think there's two end goals that I see from a business perspective um, for creators. One is to become partners in businesses, so they're not actually operating them or creatively owning them necessarily but they go on the journey of businesses that are scaling well and I think that's a super exciting model so sort of like Ryan Reynolds and what he's done with Aviation Gin Aviation Gin's doing well goes to Ryan Reynolds and goes right help us to take this to another level and then he adds an amazing delta on that and that value differential creates a 600 million sale to Diageo that model I think will trickle down into the world of creators where more creators with distribution in specific niches that provide value to audiences I think that's the key now more than just entertainment provide proper value um they'll be able to partner with companies that are doing amazing things and bring those companies in that's sort of the mindset of our VC fund that's why we're setting it up because we believe there's a huge gap to provide true value adding um value add really to companies that are trying to scale and build through leveraging the cyber and Simon's network their expertise and of course providing that value to the audience as well if we think the companies are valuable enough for the side men to invest in um so i think that's definitely one angle is the more corporate finance angle which is not it's definitely not been bridged yet but i think if it can be that's super exciting creators now are going to have less money from brand deals so if you've built up a good amount of savings if you have capital there um investing that capital or going on the ride as a partner in a business is is great alongside sweat equity i think that's an interesting model then of course building your own brand what i do believe though is that building your own brand is very very difficult um if the mindset isn't right from the beginning uh, both on the partner you maybe go with or on yourself if you're trying to do it I think it's a full-time job if anyone tries to do it on their own so you need to give that full-time job to somebody who can do it uh, or work with a full work with a partner who can take all of that operational headache away for me you as a creator you're not an expert CEO and you shouldn't be don't try and be the CEO of a business I'm not an expert CEO I'm not going to try and be I don't have any interest or understanding in, in running a fried chicken brand and I don't <laughs> need to because we have Robin who who does and who's incredible so I think it's finding people who can fill your gaps and not being egotistical I think I think some creators can get where they think well I'm the big boss I can run everything I think the ones who'll go far are the ones who realize no they actually don't know how any anything to do with the business uh, and running a business um, so either they humbly learn and go on the journey and are willing to take the risk that comes with that as some do brilliantly for example Cal Freezy who's running the fella studios doing an amazing job with that business he's exceptional as somebody who was maybe brand adjacent worked with lots of different brands and was slightly more into the corporate world what he's done with fella studios with Chip and with Elliot is unreal and I'm the biggest fan of that business and he is I think the exception there are other creators out there who I know many of them who really struggle where they put themselves in the CEO role they try and run the company they're the founder and the, the operator but they don't have the experience it's on their dime and they end up wasting and losing a lot of money so for me it's about partnering with people who are experts leveraging their expertise do what you do best which is the creativity the content probably and then passing over and working with somebody who's an expert in what they do bring those two things together and you've got a great formula for success yeah yeah it's totally. almost like looking at your yourself and your ability as a content creator 
as a business. So, you know, when you're founding a business and you can't do the finances, you hire a CFO. So yeah. it's the same way, exactly. but it's just viewing it in a different way. Mm. I think that's really interesting. But to your point there, I think creators need to at a scale, a certain level. They need to view themselves as media businesses. And that's how I see the sidemen. I don't see the sidemen as content creators. I see it as a media business. Mm. Um, and therefore, how can a media and IP business really, how can that, how should that operate? Not how should content creators operate? And that's, I think, the difference. Once you bring the corporate mindset and expertise into the world of creators, when they have enough scale to justify it, that's when I think things really kick on. And that's where you can bring in a head of people, HR, <laughs> you know, you can bring in, you know, and you can get an office, you can scale it properly. Um, otherwise, I think it it struggles to to make those those steps. Brand deals for the majority of creators is kind of that holy grail. It's how most kind of, um, you know, most of them are collaborating and kind of showing up in that space. How do you and the team like approach those traditional brand deals from the level that you guys are at? And also in the next five years, especially, what is that kind of growth plan for? So brand deals, how do we navigate them? Um, we try not to because we hate doing them because they're <laughs> miserable and a bad time for all. Um, I think, you know, when we do work with brands, um, I think it's about trying to, it's hard. It's really from a sort of, I guess, a corporate strategic perspective. It's trying to balance the brand's expectations with budget. When you're splitting a budget eight ways and the sidemen can make more money doing other things, obviously, why would they work with you? Um, so when the expectations are super low from the brands and it's, it's about educating them as to why the value's there. Um, but also I think it's around finding just natural partnerships that don't um, become chokeholds on, on the creativity is obviously the struggle. Um, and that's why the boys don't do it now they just don't do them yeah. I think we had the, the meeting we had at the end of last year or no beginning of last year even they were like we don't want to do brand deals this year unless they're either really sizable and exciting and have a great value add in some way or give something more than just an integration if they're not that and they don't excite us both commercially and creatively then we're just not gonna bother we have our own brands to plug I think that's a that's the that yeah. should be the end goal mm -hmm. for creators, but they're never relying on brand money because mm -hmm. they can say, right, we're driving enough revenue to support our lives, to support our content operation, um, and brands are a bonus. That's that's where I think more people should be aiming for. No, I think that oh, sorry, sense. and the last one, vision for Simon five yeah. years time. Um, hopefully they're still going and doing what they do because that will mean we've done a good job if we're keeping them away from all of the the things that are boring. Um, they can focus on the things that are fun and creative, and that they enjoy it because I think if they do that then there won't be the tensions the pain points and everything else um that will destroy what they've got and that's the thing that will destroy it is the tension and resentment and pain points that come with being overworked being not having enough time for their personal lives not having enough time to just be with their families not enjoying it anymore the minute that bit the human side goes through work being too much of a pressure is I think the minute that, that it falls apart so for now and hopefully for the next five years we can keep that up amazing i can't i can't wait to see what happens in the next five years for Thanks. you guys and yeah that netflix doc should be yes, out by the time this goes out so yeah everyone go watch it but thank you so much that was well, a fantastic you. chat what a conversation I honestly could have spoken about that all day and I think you could have as well and I, was, I was, was almost really sad to have to the sort of wrap him up and cut it short I was holding back at the end I was like oh my gosh there are so many more questions 100%. I'm so fascinated there's so much like novel information in there and like such a good insight into how these things work you've obviously got a bit more experience in that area than me just a bit um but what what there surprised you I think for me it was the the level that they go to to get a content out you know they 
I think brands don't understand, you know, when we're looking at Sidemen, that they don't, they're not just content creators. It's a full media production and it's got these levels of individuals that are supporting that output. And for me, that just, you know, working with so many creators, it just sort of blew me out of the water with just the level of detail that they had and the infrastructure they have set up to support that content output. Yeah, 100%. And it's like the way that people would almost speak about creators on that scale if you're outside of it almost like oh haven't they been lucky haven't they been so lucky yeah and just listening to that it's like no 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 they've taken it so seriously Mm. that they're almost you know working so that there's no probability of things being down to luck or or going wrong and like everything's really thought through everything's planned out they've got someone in charge of every possible piece of the operation that yeah you know it, it can only just be respected for what it is and as i said on the episode brands could never i know the investment that they've put back into themselves and back into not just their own content you know production but also the brands that they have mm-hmm. as well is it's really inspiring and i think any creators who are out there that are looking on like how do we how do I move ahead in this ever-changing world should really kind of take note. A hundred percent. I know they're on like a, obviously a certain scale, as Jordan Mm. said, the upper class, but I'm really interested to see in the next few years, this trickle down effect into like how smaller creators are going to aim for having their own thing, whether or not it's, it's a business. Uh, I think that's, looking at it a bit rigidly as Jordan said not everyone's cut out to run a business or be part of one but even if it's an end goal like um being a more traditional celebrity being on tv having a book deal things like that the brand deals are sort of a means to an end for that but what happens if they start skirting around it I yeah I think it's going to be interesting to see how their entrepreneurship kind of shifts Um, away from brand deals like Sidemen are doing. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. But that's it for this week. Please come back in a couple of weeks' time for Social In Six, where I'll be joined by our senior strategist, Gareth Harrison. 